Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey parents, Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, Kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast. It's been nearly two hours since the final buzzer sounded here at Roger's Place. Game three, the Avalanche come away with a 4-2 victory. I'm Arif Dina Malhai Sports. Joining me, making his long-awaited return to the podcast after missing the last few episodes, Peter Bob, The Athletic. We're here to break down everything Avalanche. What's going on, Peter? Hey, I, uh, I am sorry I have been away. It's been a busy stretch, but I'm very pumped to be, be rejoining the pod here in, in Edmonton. And we're about a mile high in the sky. This press box is, is pretty it's, high up. It's but a beautiful arena. Beautiful, it, beautiful great building. Great arena. Great atmosphere. Uh this it was, was a, loud. This was a pretty awesome game tonight. I, I almost wish the press box was a little lower down so we could hear the noise a bit better because um, it was pretty loud and it would have been louder if we were a little closer. Yeah, that's something that I noticed was the way that the noise kind of like emanated and came up to us was a little bit different from Ball Arena. It seemed almost delayed in that sense, but you could tell that it was as loud, if not maybe louder than Ball Arena at times. And I, I, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I generally think so. It was no offense to Avalanche fans, but it was it was like from from the not even from the opening faceoff from the national anthem the way that they sang the O Canada anthem together was just they they really had it they wanted it but they didn't get it obviously the avalanche come away with a victory but we're going to start with the bummer news we're going to start with the Nazem Kadri hit so game starts Connor McDavid does his thing literally 36 seconds in the Oilers are up one nothing great celebration too hell of a celebration hell of a shot hell of a goal and and the crowd was feeling it and l- not 30 seconds later Evander Kane sends Nazem Kadri hard into the boards. His head didn't hit the boards, but it looked like his shoulder did. Maybe his wrist, his arm. Who the hell knows? I'm not here to play doctor. I'm just here to say Nazem Kadri will be out for the rest of the series, if not longer. So um, not looking good for Nazem Kadri and the rest of the playoffs here. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the first thing you think when you see an injury like that, I think both of us saw or thought it was, is that the last time we see Nazem Kadri in an avalanche sweater? It's, lying on the ice at Rogers place. Yeah. I mean, it's just a brutal turn of events. And I mean, obviously I think the avalanche clearly did not like the hit, uh, nor should they have, it was not a good hit. And I would assume the league will take a look at it, especially because Kadri's hurt. Now I think the league should take a look at those types of plays, even if the guy doesn't get hurt, but since he got hurt, I'm sure that the league will be even more inclined to, to maybe bring down some discipline Kane got a five-minute major, and just from a, a hockey standpoint, I think that might have, even though the Avalanche didn't score in that five-minute major penalty, I think that might have shifted the game completely. Like, it might have cost the Oilers the game just because the Avalanche 
the Oilers were feeling it. They were they looking. They had it. They, they, they had it. They had their jump. McDavid's on the board. The crowd is losing it. And then all of a sudden you have, even though Mike Smith and the Edmonton kill came up big, you have to, um, to go on a five-minute penalty kill, and that kind of takes you out of it, changes the whole complexion of the game. So I don't – I mean, obviously – it, you, you don't have a crystal ball and you can't look back and say, oh, this is what would have happened if that hadn't gone gone down that way. But it, it certainly was, I thought, a really dumb play um, by Evander Kane and also just a really uh, unfortunate play and one that I thought was dirty and not you, the, not the type of hit you want to see in a hockey yeah. game. So just to touch on a couple things there. So the NHL does a really great job of addressing hits like this when it leads to an injury to a player that matters. And that player here is Nazem Kadri. So you know that this is going to be, you know, under the microscope a hell of a lot more than, I don't know, if it was a hit on some third liner that came back two shifts later. So this is going to get looked at. The way that it's getting media coverage, the the, the quotes from the Avalanche players, from Jared Bednar, uh, the quote from Jay Woodcroft that he didn't get a good angle. Got to love when a coach can see the plays that go against this team and not against the other team. And I get it. That's what yeah, you're supposed I didn't, to do. Yeah, and I didn't love the McKinnon play on um, Dreisaitl. No, I, I didn't either. But um, but it's not the same as that. 100%. This is a different level of play. And, and Nazem Kadri, again, I'm not here to play doctor, but it looks like he's got a serious injury. So list out your five or six potential injuries. It looks like Nazem Kadri might genuinely be hurt. The way he laid on the ice, the way that he was writhing in pain following that hit, and he did not move and did not get up for at least 30 seconds – right away said to me it's going to be a while before we see him play hockey again whether that's with the avalanche or elsewhere whether that's in a week and a half two weeks or in six months or whenever the hell october is it's going to be it's just a brutal and crushing blow to the avalanche and a crushing blow to a guy that's worked so goddamn hard to get to this point to be able to play for the stanley cup and now he might lose that opportunity yeah i mean i think that Nazem Kadri is a big reason why the Avalanche are at this point. I think you saw how much they missed him last year in the Vegas series, and you saw this year how vital he was in a St. Louis series that was that went six games and was a couple bounces away from going seven. So, he was a difference maker. Yeah, he's a time. complete difference maker. Now, I do think this Avalanche team is more equipped to to deal with his loss than last year's one yep. was, but it's certainly a, a really bad break for the Avalanche uh, huge bummer for Nazem Kadri, and honestly, just like a, I think that hockey is better when the best players are playing. So, I mean, I wish Leon Draisaitl was a hundred percent. I wish Nazem Kadri wasn't hurt. I wish we could see all these guys at a hundred percent. And some injuries are unavoidable, but that one felt like one that was avoidable, and um, and that's disappointing. The beauty, or let's call it the lack thereof, of beauty of the Stanley Cup playoffs is by the time you get to the Stanley Cup final. It's, it's arguably the worst actual on-ice product of hockey that you can have in, in, in the entire playoffs. Because in the first round, everybody's at full capacity or you know as close to full health as they can be after an 82-game grueling season. They pretty much have all this energy, and they come out right from the jump. And, and you know it's a physical game. It's pretty much a new sport compared to the regular season. And then you come back out for the playoffs— Second round, it gets a little more physical. Third round, a little more physical. By the time you get to the final, everybody's bruised, battered, and broken. We saw the Boston Bruins announce some of their injuries. You, you better believe that you know this is going to come with some kind of consequence. The Avalanche could very well, and they haven't won the Cup yet. They haven't even made the Stanley Cup final yet, although it's going to take an epic, like, they're, they're going to have to blow it in, in an epic fashion to not make the Stanley Cup final at this rate. But um, 
by the time the Avalanche playoff season ends, whether they win or lose in the final, uh, there's going to be a lot of injuries announced. And I'm really interested and intrigued to see what those injuries are to guys like Kadri, who may walk as a UFA, or maybe he'll remain, and then to others as well. Yeah, no, there's going to be plenty. I mean, you look at this roster right now, Andre Barakovsky is hurt. Um, I don't know what Nicholas Obey-Kubel's status is, but... Kemper's hurt. Kemper's hurt. I mean, I, I tweeted out, the you could make a, a line of... I don't know if Obey-Kubel's hurt or scratched. He skated this morning, but he did block a shot last game yeah. and was maybe a little banged up. But the Avs could have a line right now of... or a li- They could ice a lineup of Gerard. Murray, Jeez, Gerard isn't, or Murray isn't hurt, but he's been a healthy scratch. Gerard Murray, um, Burakovsky, Kadri, Nicholas Obey-Kubel, and Darcy Kemper. And that's not a bad lineup. All that says to me is exactly what this team wanted going into the trade deadline. Depth. They yeah. have a lot of it. Imagine like where they'd be without Arturi Lekkonen. Imagine where they'd be without Arturi Lekkonen. Imagine where they'd be without Andrew Cogliano. Without Josh Manson. Jared spoke of this the other day that, you know... The Gerard injury sucks, but the acquisition of Manson makes it a little bit easier to, you know, and, and even Bowen Byram's return. For so long, you and I were talking about how he's probably not going to play the rest of the season, and, and here he is now in a top-four role. So what if you don't have Byram and Manson? Well, suddenly your defense, what does it look like? You've got the top pair, and then you've got EJ, and you've got Jack Johnson, Ryan Murray, I don't know, Curtis McDermott, or, or, or Jordan Gross, or Dennis Gilbert. Like, it's not the same roster. So that depth was crucial. Like, we... We spent so much time the last few weeks of the regular season as guys were coming back from their injuries and as guys were getting healthy, coming up with this lineup of who's going to play where. But in the back of your head, you kept saying, people aren't going to stay healthy. They're going to have to use a lot of players. Jared has been talking about it since Nashville. A lot of these guys are going to slot in. And we're seeing them go down pretty much by the game. It was Sam Gerrard. It was Darcy Kemper. It was Andre Burakovsky. It was Nicholas Abe-Kubel. And now it's Nazem Kadri. And not five minutes after Nazem Kadri's injury, Val Nichushkin was on the bench with his glove off, laboring and be ta- being being attended to by the trainer. Josh La- Manson. Later in the third hard. period, Josh Manson goes into the same corner where Nazem Kadri got hurt and is in the... And is on the bench talking to the trainer as well. So this is this is a Stanley Cup final, and it happens to every team. As you said, Leon Draisaitl is nowhere close to 100%. He left the game at one point after the hit with McKinnon. Yeah, uh, Yamamoto's out. Yamamoto's uh, out. Uh, Darnell Nurse has been— Oh, he's laboring. Uh, he's hurt. Uh, Darnell Nurse is going to be the injury that's announced that's going to be like a six- to eight-month recovery or some crazy shit like that. Like, he's been playing through something, and he's just having, like— you couldn't draw up a worse series for a guy in terms of just his on-ice play, the injury, and luck. Like, the puck, the Nachushkin yeah, goal, like, right sure it off Edmonton him. Yeah, like, I'm sure Edmonton fans are furious at him, but that's not... I mean, what are you going to do yeah. there? That's a tough play. You're, so. you're going to play Nurse at 25, 30, 40, 50% rather than playing a guy that, you know... Yeah, and that's a good player. It's, yeah. it's, it's he's, he's not at 100%, and I, I know fans aren't necessarily thrilled with his performance here in Edmonton, but that's, that's not on him. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, Evander Kane. Do you, yeah. do you sense a suspension? I mean, I think it's a suspendable hit. I, do you think the NHL will suspend him starting game four? Yes, it would be my guess. But I think we'll know pretty early tomorrow. Um, I, I think that given the magnitude of the injury to Kadri, I, I would guess, that, and the fact that they didn't give him a game misconduct might lead me to believe that they would f- view this as something they maybe should um, give further discipline on. I don't know how Department of Player Safety works. It's a weird, weird thing. Very. You never know. So I don't say that with any confidence or, like, 
expectation really but i i would guess that that would be a suspension worthy play so i i kind of feel one of two ways i feel like he's absolutely going to get suspended uh you know i made that very clear in the beginning just the, the magnitude of the hit the player the 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 microscope that this game was under given the fact that there's one game on every single night now uh i surely do believe he's going to get suspended I keep going back and forth on the length. I could see one of two things. I could see one game, and that might be the series as one game, but I could see one game, and, and you learned your lesson. Edmonton wins game four. He's back at Ball Arena with the, with the Avalanche, with the, or with the Oilers against the Avalanche on Wednesday. Or I could see the very easy get-out-of-jail-free card that the NHL likes to use in these situations, which is the rest of the series. No secure or set amount of games. It could be one, it could be two, it could be three, it could be four. But if it's four games and your team somehow pulls off the upset, you get to play in the final. Those are the two options that I see here. I just can't. I genuinely can't sense. And I might get, you know, end up looking tomorrow and, and, and reading the news and, and seeing that this is all just ridiculous for me to say. It, but I just can't see the NHL coming out with a tweet that says $5,000 fine for this. It's, it's going to be a suspension. That would be my guess, but I don't... But you also never know. It's just, yeah, Department yeah. of Player Safety, you can never know. I would guess, I think McKinnon might get a fine uh, for the dry side of play. That, that I could see. There's yep. no chance he... That's not a... I mean, that's a bad play and not one he should have made. It should have been a penalty on the ice, uh, but that's not a suspendable play, uh, but definitely worthy of a fine. Um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. I wish we weren't... I wish we were talking about the actual hockey game. This is not the fun part of it's, the sport it's a bummer and uh i kind of have cadre up there and we will talk about the hockey game in a second let me know what you think of this and i don't want to spend too much time on this but kel mccarr nathan mckinnon nazim cadre the third most important player that you don't wouldn't want to have get her at this stage and it's hard to kind of gauge that because you got Devontae's, Miko Rantanen, Gabe Landeskog, Archery Lackin, and Valnichushkin, a lot of important players, but where does Kadri rank on that list for you? I mean, he's high. So far, I would say the only, if you were to do an Avs playoff MVP right to this point, I think it would be those McCarr, guys. McKinnon, Kadri. Yep. I think that Miko Rantanen is ultimately a probably a more valuable player than Kadri. Um, I think that the way Devontae's is playing and the fact that he – was on McDavid for 12 minutes tonight or something, and the Avs had like 60% of the expected goal share during that time. Like, he's so important. But it's, I mean, look, this team is running out two lines, or they were with Kadri, they were running out two lines that were playing like top lines. I mean, McKinnon's line is obviously a top line, but then Lekkonen, Kadri, Rantanen, that is a top line. Like, that's a... The Rantanen-Nichushkin swap was the one that I did not see coming. I saw the p- potential and the possibility, which we even saw it earlier in the playoffs, I think, of a Landis Akadri like an inline. But the idea of splitting up McKinnon and Rantanen just wasn't an idea that ever crossed my mind. Ever. Because even when the, Jared Bednar used to, you know, try to entertain the idea of, of Andre Burakovsky on the top line, it was always 95, 29, and 96. So that's a move that I didn't expect Jared to make, and that's a move that's proving to be a damn good one, man. Really like Landeskog, smart move, yeah. Landeskog and Nachushkin, I call them the two... Uh, I, I, I I look at the way Nathan McKinnon's been playing defensively, and I look at how Jared Bednar even complimented him after Game 2, saying he's not cheating on any plays, and we're probably not talking enough about his defensive abilities. And I look at McKinnon playing with those two guys, Landeskog and Nachushkin, 
how do you not play defensively with those two guys? How are you not motivated to do what they do? Totally. And I mean, I think that if you look at the whole lineup, I mean, like, they're playing really hard up and down the lineup. And I, I think that there were some breadcrumbs there that Kadri and Bednar has said throughout the year at multiple points where McKinnon's been hurt or where they've split up lines. I remember a game in New York in December where he talked about how he really liked the chemistry of Kadri and Rantanen. And I think he tucked that away. He has not been shy about mixing up the top six this uh, this postseason. And I think that was one of his, his best moves. And might need to get creative again now that uh, Kadri's going to miss some time here. Yeah, so uh, before we talk a little bit more about that creativity, let's go into the game. So Val Nachushkin, two goals, one of them off the stick of Darnell Nurse, the other one just a beautiful play by him, and then the game-winning goal from JT Comfer. Let's break it all down. What to you was the difference tonight? Yeah, I think that, I mean, it, again, it comes down to the fact that the Avs have a a really deep group of forwards. I mean, McKinnon didn't score, or he had an assist, but no goals. Landeskog hasn't had a goal. I Did he have a goal in game, or I think he had an empty netter in game one. He did. He yeah. doesn't have a goal against a goalie nope. this series. Um, Rantanen scored an empty netter tonight, but he didn't score in, like with a goalie in the net. Rantanen's got a goal in every game, I believe. Rantanen now, right? is playing yeah. really well, and yeah. you can see how confidently he's playing. A goal with in the each puck. of the first three games. Granted, today, like you said, was an empty netter. Yeah, so, I mean, this is a forward group that's really deep, and I think you also saw. Um, Pavel Frenzos, he wasn't perfect. The second goal he allowed was pretty bad, but he's playing at a high level. That guy's making some big saves. That save on McDavid was no cupcake save. <laughs> no. I, like, it's it's pretty impressive. There were two saves on uh, on Val Nichushkin by Mike Smith That's, that pretty much negated his opportunity at, at completing the hat trick, but that save by Frenzos on McDavid. So... A lot of penalties getting called, and then the refs swallow the whistles, and then suddenly JT Comfort gets called for a trip on Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah. The Avalanche go on the PK. It's 2-2. Two to two. They just gave up, or Frankie just gave up that bad goal to Ryan McLeod. It's 2-2. Two to two. The crowd's feeling it. There's nine minutes left in the game. And the Avalanche managed to kill it off, and they had to do it because Pavel Francouz had to make that sprawling save on Connor McDavid, and then JT Comfort gets shot out of a cannon out of the penalty box, Picks up the puck, and um, let's call it a weak goal, that five hole. Uh, yeah. That shouldn't have squeezed by him, but it did. And you even saw JT kind of do a double take before his well, celebration. Well, he didn't see it. He, he drove no to the net to see if there was a rebound. Yeah. He, um, had, he had no idea it had gone in. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a pretty funny reaction. Um, and, yeah, he talked about, like, the low of being in a penalty box of after committing a penalty you can't really afford to take with a potent power play against you. Um, and – and the fact that they, they kind of escaped is, is <laughs> some good luck for him. And then he, he goes and, hey, it might have been a cheap goal, but he put the puck on net and good things happen when you do that. And he made a nice play to beat Bouchard to the puck and, to, and he kind of like Bouchard fell down and he took advantage of that. So good on him. And he's honestly his, I mean, he has what, I guess five goals in his last four games. Something, cr- yeah. I mean, that's big time right that's there. That's true. Game six, one, two, and three. It's only been... That's so crazy. It's only been four games since that overtime loss to St. Louis feels like forever yeah. ago. But That's, they're going to need Kadri. Or, I mean, a comfort. Like, yeah. he's going to, with Kadri out, he's a guy that you're going to need to, maybe he moves up to the second line, maybe you keep the third line together, but that's a guy who's going to need to really step up. Yeah, I want to touch on uh, the defense here. So, Kel McCarr and Devontae's played a ton. So, Jared Bednar said, we're going on the road. 
you guys have last change and you're going to have the ability to, uh, you know, have your stars out there when Taves and Makar are not out there. No, I'm just going to play Makar 30 minutes. Yeah, and he kind of hinted at it this morning. I asked him about that, about like, do you, is this going to be a bigger test for guys like Bowen Byer, Merrick Johnson, who might have to be out there more? And he kind of acknowledged that it would be, but he also said there are ways that we can try and get the matchups to still be what we want. And, and it turned out the way to do that was to just <laughs> have Kel McCarr Here play are those minutes. ways. Let's read down the list. Kel McCarr, number one on the team in ice time for the defense, 29 minutes and 57 seconds. So ultimately 30 minutes. Devon Taves, 26.51. Bowen Byram, 19.38. Josh Manson, 12.46. Eric Johnson, 14 minutes. And Jack Johnson, 8. So those bottom three guys, EJ played 14, JJ played 8, and Josh Manson only played 12. Yeah. They really rode the top three. And Bowen Byram, I mean, he had I another mean, assist tonight. He's been incredible since Sam Gerrard's injury. Yeah, look at what that, that dude is doing this postseason. It's unbelievable. I mean, he's... He's up there in the plus-minus leaders for the entire playoffs. And another plus two today. Another plus two today. He and Eric Johnson have, have been probably the biggest pleasant surprise of the playoffs for Colorado. Um, and I think Samuel Girard, that injury, you feel more on the trickle-down effect of maybe you have Jack Johnson playing in the lineup yeah. when you don't necessarily want him in such a prominent role. Uh, but you haven't really felt the drop-off from the second pair even with Gerard out the direct replacement of Bowen Byram stepping into that role and uh really quick you before I finish my uh my thought Connor McDavid plus 14 Gabe Landeskog Bo Byram Kelt McCarr Nathan McKinnon plus 13 12 12 and 11 those are your next four so they round out the top five but uh the direct the direct replacement of Gerard coming in for or sorry, Byram coming in for Gerard, like you said, is not being felt. It's the trickle down. That's ultimately going to be the opposite for, for the Nazem Kadri injury. You don't have a guy that can slot into that role and genuinely overtake his position. But the trickle down, you won't feel as much. Because whether it's Abe Kubel being healthy again and Nico Sturm staying in the lineup, or Abe Kubel and Burakovsky both being healthy, pulling Sturm from the lineup, and obviously Kadri, the trickle down won't be as 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 effective here in, in, in with the Kadri injury. And I mean, look, if they have to play Jason Megna in a playoff game, like that's a guy that... He might not bring you much, but he's probably not going to cost you anything either. Exactly. Yeah. He can play you, seven minutes. You throw him on a line with uh, Hellman Cogliano, and and you let him do his veteran thing with those other two veterans. It's the, it's he's not going to be the driver of a line. He's not going to be in your top nine. It's not going to be a big issue. But with that being said, without our you know without without Nazem Kadri in the lineup, I was going to say our guy, but I don't know if he's our guy. Um, he's my guy. I don't know if he's your guy. <laughs> <laughs> but without Nazem Kadri in the lineup. Uh, what's going to happen here. So you and I were kind of talking about some ideas. Uh, this is all contingent to me. The big thing is 16 and 95. If Abe Kubel and Burakovsky both return, you have a better idea. Let me know what your idea is because you had a pretty good idea if Burakovsky is healthy, what to do with the top six. Yeah, I think uh, if Burakovsky is healthy, I'd be interested to see if Jared Bednar moves Mika Ranton into center, which is a, something he's shown he's comfortable doing throughout the year. And then you have a line of maybe Lekkonen, uh, Ranton, and Burakovsky, um, which is you sacrifice defensively not having Kadri in there and having Burakovsky in there. Um, but I think it's still a really potent offensive line, and, and Burakovsky's shown he can play in big games and all that. And then you have, obviously, you still have Arturi Lekkonen doing his thing defensively. And Mikko Rantanen's a very underratedly good defensive player. Yeah, and having him you at saw center, that tonight. Yeah, exactly. And having him at center, and, you know, you, I think it was you that asked Jared about the fact that, like, even last game, you had Rantanen out there late in the game. When the Oilers pulled their goalie, when they were trying to make that late game comeback, Rantanen was there closing out the game. 
and he did big like big time plays. I mean, yeah. he he was he cleared the zone a couple plays. times, got yeah. it out of the blue line. Uh, Lekkonen was blocking everything, including a Kale McCarr shot. That yeah. might have gone in. <laughs> I saw that, and yeah, a couple of those blocks at the end, right off of his skate, and you're just like, man, if he hobbles to the bench, but it looks like it was getting him in a good spot. So yeah, I um, mean, he's a heck of a player. What a perfect addition just, for just this an team. Un, yeah, just um, but yeah, that's an idea. Is if Burkowski can come back, you put him on the wing, um, on the second line with with those guys. I think if, the most obvious solution is you just move Comfer up a line. Yeah, so let's just say Burakovsky doesn't come back. Not Berkey comes back and you move Comfer up, but if Burakovsky doesn't come back, you're going to move Comfer up there. You're going to have Comfer in the top six with Ranton and Lekkonen, or you know, maybe Jared wants to mess with that a little bit. What do you do to the third line? Because I kind of feel like you can put Helm there, or I also kind of feel like you just stick Sturm there and keep Helm, Cagliano, and O'Connor to do their thing and let Sturm play with Newhook and, I guess, Ave Kubel if he's ready to play. Yeah. The thing is, is that fourth line is playing so well together. It's your third line. Yeah, it's like... At that point, it's your third line. Yeah, maybe the answer is, like, they just start become... I mean, maybe they're not going to play as many five-on-five minutes, but they're going to get their minutes on the penalty kill and all that stuff. Um, And I think, like, I mean, tonight, I, I wonder what the difference was between... So, Alex Newhook, for example, tonight played... Let me find it. Sorry, I'm looking at the... The score sheet. He played 10 minutes. Logan O'Connor played 10 minutes. He played – Newhook played 12 more seconds. So it's not like there's yeah. that huge – Darren Helm played 12 minutes. Um, Nico Sturm only played 7 minutes. So at this point, it kind of like – Nico Sturm becomes your fourth-line center, but your third line becomes Helm, Cogliano, and O'Connor. Essentially. And, Ultimately. I mean, that's kind of what we saw tonight, frankly. There is a possibility that – and, you know, this is a very clear possibility, but I, I think Abe Kubel's going to play game four. I think it was more of like a – you're not feeling 100%. Let's just stick Sturm in there and let you rest for a game rather than play injured. But there's a chance that Abe Kubel doesn't play and Burakovsky doesn't play and Kadri doesn't play. Then at that point, your top line is what it is. Comfort slots into the second line with Rantanen and Lekkanen. And then your third line is what used to be the fourth line with Helm O'Connor and Cagliano. And then your fourth line is now Sturm, Newhook, and Megna. Yeah, something so you've, like that. Yeah, you've, gone, you've gone pretty much deep into your depth. Please, oh please, and I haven't seen it yet, so thank you for not doing it yet, but please, oh please, don't tell me to bring in Curtis McDermott. I would much rather the Avalanche use Jason Magna, let him play seven or eight hard minutes, rather than play Curtis McDermott and get away from the game that they've been playing the entire playoffs of, now we're going to turn a blind eye and back down from everything like JJ and I were talking about after game two. But you don't need to go to the McDermott well. You don't need to bring in McDermott to run around and bash bodies because Evander Kane hit Nazem Kadri. You got to win one more game and you're in the Stanley Cup final. That's the focus right now. Yeah, and that's the best way to not get anyone hurt is to have your best players play and to win the game. Exactly. So um, with that being said, uh, closing thoughts, Peter Ball. Oh, man. Um, I have a lot of them. I think, one, I think Pavel Francis has done a pretty admirable job filling in. Five I, of the twelve, five of the 11 wins, by the way, Pavel. If he wins That's game, wild. if he wins game four, because two of them were in relief and three starts, yeah. if he wins game four or whatever the game is that sends the Avalanche to the Stanley Cup final, it'll be a six and six split between him and Kemper through the first three rounds. Yeah, and I think we talked about this earlier today. We were texting a little bit. I think best case scenario is Kemper gets healthy, and you ride Francis until he's not playing well. So the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2017, when they won the Cup. They had to start with Marc-Andre Fleury because Matt Murray was uh, injured, even though Murray had won the cup the year before. So Marc-Andre Fleury starts this playoffs. He gets you through the first round. He gets you through, I believe it was two or three wins against the Capitals. Murray was healthy 
but they kept going with Flurry because he was playing well. As soon as Flurry's game dropped off, they went to that Matt Murray well. He came in, beat the Capitals, sent him to the third round to the Stanley Cup final, two-time Cup champs. So that's kind of the same idea. Even if even if Kemper's ready to go in game four, you don't turn to him until, and especially since you have this 3 nothing cushion right now, and you can not afford to lose a game or two, but if you lose a game or two, it's not the end of the world. If Kemper is ready for game four, which I doubt, but if he is ready for game four and uh, Frankie has a bad game, well, then you can turn to him in game five. You don't have to rush your starting goalie into the net because Frankie's doing a damn good job. Yeah, and I mean, at this point, like, he's earned the right to keep playing, I would say. And if he slips up, you have Darcy Kemper, who people I feel like are... I, I don't, don't want to – this might be a straw man argument, and I know sometimes it's just the loudest, voice, loudest voices you see on Twitter, but Darcy Kemper was a damn good goalie for the Avalanche this year. From the second half of the season, he was one yeah. of the best goalies in the league, and it looked – he had a bad St. Louis series. I don't know if he was dealing with something during that if, or if it just emerged in the Edmonton series, but if he's 100%, he is your number one goaltender. Although if Pavel Francis is playing like this, you don't go away from him. So I think best case scenario is he gets healthy. You have him back up until Francis maybe falters, and then you make a switch. And maybe you don't mean, need to make a switch, and maybe Pavel Francis is the goalie who gets to you where you want to go. It's a good problem to have. But uh, let's go to closing thought number two, Peter. You said you, said you have a few of them. Oh, <laughs> putting me on the spot here. Yeah, um, Lekkonen's puck retrieval on the power play is something else. It's really, really good. Play, yeah. yeah, like he just goes after every single puck and gets every single puck, and it's it's pretty unbelievable. And I, I, I just think his puck retrieval in general. I actually thought the power play in the first period when they had the five on five, I thought they got great chances. I thought Mike Smith just played well, um, and it kind of evened out when he let in some soft goals. But I think, uh, yeah, I think so. Power play, they could use a power play goal because it's. They shouldn't go this long without. I guess they had one in the third period in game two, but they probably need to be a little better there. But overall, I mean, I actually think they kind of got outplayed tonight at five on five, but a couple big saves, capitalized on a few bounces. A nice 12-minute stretch in the second period of keeping the Oilers completely off the board and shut down as they usually do in the middle period. Yep, and you'll you'll come away with wins. Um, And I guess I'll add to that with my closing thought just because I just remembered it, but... The question that I asked, I forget who I asked. I think it was JT Comfer, but uh, the Avalanche's ability to not let those power play woes change the direction of the game and let the momentum shift has been pretty astonishing, to say the least, because last game when I was sitting at the press box, they have that in, in, in Ball Arena, I was sitting by JJ or whoever the hell I was sitting by, Ryan Bolding, I forget, but we were talking about how they had a lengthy five on three, they failed to score on it, and usually that leads to a loss. Well, tonight they have a five-minute friggin' five-on-four, uh, five the five-minute major, and it wasn't even interrupted with another penalty. It wasn't four-on-four four after three-and-a-half minutes. There was nothing that stopped it. It was a straight five-minute power play with zero goals, and even then they were able to overcome that, and I think that this, it just speaks volumes to this team. There is such a business-like mentality on everybody that, you know, starting from Jared Bednar all the way down, that it's just hard to ignore what this team is doing right now in, in terms of that, in terms of, you know— in, in terms of coaching, in terms of Jared being able to keep his guys like that, and in terms of what we've been talking about all season when he kept talking about experimenting with his lineups, this is what he experimented for in November. In November, yep. when he was messing with the lineups, playing chess while everybody was playing checkers, and we're like, why the hell is Landis Gog not on the top line anymore? You're a, you've won 11 straight games at home or whatever the hell it was in January. It was to do this. It was to be able to give you the option to be like, hey, maybe Miko Rantanen centers the second line. 
Jared is just doing a phenomenal job. And, and it, it, it all starts with the coaching, and then obviously the players are playing that part too. And they're playing poised. They didn't – yeah, I, I think that, like, the not scoring on the five-minute major, that's a bad moment in the game for them. You just lost your second-line center. You were gifted what you feel like should have been a goal, and then you don't capitalize. And uh, But they, they stuck with it. They kept going, and they, they came away with the win, and that's awfully impressive. Absolutely. Do you have any other closing thoughts, or is that the end of the closing thoughts segment of the podcast, Peter? Oh. The closing thoughts segment with JJ is usually him looking at me and saying, any closing thoughts that I go, nope, <laughs> wrap her up. Okay, I'll actually, I do have one. No rush, um, by the way, I'm chilling. No, <laughs> I, I have to say, Jack Johnson the last two games has been what the Avs have needed in that in that sixth defenseman role. He hasn't played a ton. I was kind of calling for maybe you give Ryan Murray a shot after he kind of struggled. He and Manson looked like they struggled in game one, but I thought he was really solid in game two. Uh, and I thought tonight, I frankly didn't notice him very much, but I think that with Jack- I was just going to say, I did not notice Jack Johnson at all, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I think that that means he's doing his job. He's shutting things down defensively, and, I mean, he's he's held his own. So... Uh, we'll see what Games 4 brings, but uh, the Avalanche are a win away from the Stanley Cup, which they'll take any day of the week. All right, last time I'll put you on the spot. Is this a sweep in Game 4 on Monday? Oh, I don't do predictions, Eric. I'm not good at those. All right. Well, I'm going to do a prediction here and say that it is a sweep simply because of the Avalanche's road record. And as Nathan McKinnon said, we're not here to put on a show on the road. We're here to make it boring and make it gross. Just a banger of a quote from Nathan McKinnon. Which is funny because the Avalanche are not a very they, boring they do team, whether they are at that. home or on the road. Like yeah, it, that that quote is almost as hilarious as the find a way thing that they've been running with the entire playoffs, as if they're not this like electric, stacked, star-studded lineup that just needs to find a way. It's like they don't really got to find a way; they just got to show me the way, and they'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Cool. All right. Well, let's let's wrap this baby up. Pleasure having you back on the podcast pleasure having you on one of these post-game pods maybe we'll do it again monday i know jj appreciates us doing this because obviously he's not here and it would be a lot better to do it with somebody who's here so shout out peter Baugh for coming back onto the podcast thank you all for listening for subscribing for all the comments for all the uh tweets i got one from somebody here that underscore abs underscore fan who said it's been a minute Obviously pertaining to Peter. Will there be any food talk? I heard he's known for his controversial food takes. Glass Animals got into it with me, the band. Oh, um, Jesus. They, they did not like my uh, my pineapple on pizza approval. Well, I'm going to do this uh, really quickly, and it's going to sound terrible on the mic. But that crumpling is a bag of Old Dress Ruffles chips mm. that I pulled out of the press box. This is a Canadian delicacy. It looks pretty good. Old I'm dress not hungry, chips, but it old looks dress good. chips and ketchup chips. I had a bag of ketchup chips this afternoon after morning skate. I'm gonna go back to my hotel after this podcast, watch some Netflix and chill with my Ruffles bag of chips. That's gonna be my night. I love Canada. I miss living here because of things like Ruffles old dress chips. So that's the food take. That underscore abs underscore fan. That abs fan. And uh, let's shut her down now. If you made it this far in the podcast, bless your pretty little heart. Let's make hockey for everyone, and we out ya. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
At Arizona State University, we offer a variety of programs online designed and taught by a renowned faculty to empower your success. That's why 87% of ASU online graduates stated they were promoted or received an increase in salary after earning their degree. Visit asuonline.asu.edu. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey parents, Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, Kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.